Welcome to the Everything Music Ed podcast. I'm your host, Tom Borning. In this podcast, you'll hear from teachers, musicians, and others about their experiences in learning and teaching music. In today's episode, we talk to Steve Edwards, who's been a music teacher and administrator for 27 years. We discuss the challenges of moving from teacher to administrator, balancing work life and family life, as well as teaching instruments and subjects that may be outside your comfort zone. Hope you enjoy the show. down yeah you heard them yeah dude i can't believe how high that dude sings i know they're very good i thought it was a like i was outside and i thought it was a joke i thought he was like messing around and then i was like then they go into he starts being like led zeppelin Mm -hmm. Ah! i'm like what the what (laughs) and then they like they then he does uh don't stop believing. Yeah, and I'm like, you gotta be I know. kidding me! I like, thought the same thing. I heard them at Liam's, and yeah, it was only great. a trio. I was shocked by that. I, I know they're they're powerhouse. They're so good. That's really cool. I don't yeah. know. I I I don't know. Some of our baseball friends. It's like we have family family friends that we know through TJ of baseball and forever. Like since since they were eight. And we've just like hang out. We, now we still, our kids are off college, whatever, and mm-hmm. we still hang out with the kids. It's really cool. That's cool. But uh, I know I'd love to take kind of one of those uh, gigs because especially that band, they were really really great last time I saw. They them. did uh, Tom Sawyer. I'm no like, way, really. I'm like wow, Tom Sawyer. Like I thought, like Tom Sawyer. Like I'm trying to think. They did. I remember hearing. I don't. I don't remember their set list, but I remember being. Oh uh, my word! It. I, really feeling like wow this is a great great, great yeah, band it, i was shocked i i don't know it takes a lot for me to get shocked but i was just they were good they we were, have some great talent on the cape i, I gotta say I, I every once in a while i'll get out and i'll see some young band and i especially like seeing younger people rocking it the thing that always cracks me up is they're doing songs that you and i grew up with oh sure you know it just cracks me up because that's that's what it, everybody wants to hear i guess yeah no it was funny when i was at i was at liam's and it was like a former student of mine john mcnamara and you know he's in the band crooked coast but he has this other band called the commonwealth and they just like were playing you know and they were just playing and and the funny thing is is that when they were playing he was like oh this you guys seem to have this like early 90s rock vibe you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that night me and our friend, like I was, we were the oldest ones there by like easily 15 years. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was, that was not necessarily our crowd. So it was actually cool to go to the, the other place and have fun. And, uh, and we were like, we were in the middle of the pack in terms of age on that, on the other night. So that was good. I always wanted to have like a, like a summer uh, show at the, maybe the band shell and just get local cover bands that would be willing to fill up a day, you know, hmm. food trucks, 
and just have a fest, a music fest down there. Well, there's still to do you know, it. There's plenty of talent on the Cape, so I figured it'd be easy to yeah. pull off. Well, that's like the um, Crooked Coast does that thing with like Coast Fest or mm. something like that, right? Mm. I I haven't been to it. Like Christine, I. Christine and I were thinking about going to it last year, and it just didn't happen. I I think we were away actually when it happened, but that seems pretty cool. And they do a whole thing and food trucks, the whole thing. That that'd be really neat. That's always good. You know, especially to, to like expose, I think, the community to those bands. It'd be pretty cool. I don't know. There's so much good talent out there. Yeah. I'm always hearing bands that I'm impressed with around here. All right. So I'm here with Steve Edwards. Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, oh. I, I feel like you're with me. You're, this is like your 25th or 26th year teaching, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I started no, uh, uh, I started in 96, and I started here in 06, yeah. 96, yeah, so you're a year more than me, actually. I yeah. started in the fall of 97. Yeah. So you're older than me. I uh, I remember I was just, in fact, I was moving some things around the house, and I was looking at the, the degree that I had received in 96, and I was working, I was hired as an assistant that summer to do marching band, but graduated after. You know, so yep. I had I had actually started working that summer doing marching band and then worked all the way through. And then I think they gave me my degree in January or something. So, oh, yeah. you know I mean, what I mean? Yep. Sure. Sure. So the interesting thing about Steve is that, you know, he was a band director for years and then now he is in uh, an administrator of fine arts fine arts department head which we'll get into later but yeah going on eight I, years i think uh, really yeah wow that's okay wow yeah. that's interesting so but i want to i with this podcast i always sort of want to hear about how like how did you get when did you like what's your musical upbringing like how did you know well let's talk about like early elementary do you remember music class when you were in like yeah actually young i actually i hope you like this story it's kind of funny um when i was in elementary school i think it was like fourth grade time we had uh like a unified arts program and you used to be able to do uh a a variety of things but if you selected one you you kind of did that for the year and so they had you know crafts and they had art class and they had a, a band class that was like maybe 30 kids you know and uh, and so i selected band and i was so into jethro tall at the time that i wanted to play flute you oh know? wow and yeah i was totally into jethro tall i wanted to be a rock flautist so so much <laughs> rock and, flautist? yeah that's what oh i wanted my to be. gosh and so uh and so i took the flute and i was horrible i was absolutely a horrible flute player and and the uh, the band director, who I have a lot of respect for, still know and still speak with today, um, but she said, uh, "You you really should try to find something else, do a different do a different activity." And I was gonna have to leave. And I remember just being crushed, just crushed by the idea that my dream of being the next Jethro Tull wasn't gonna oh, come to fruition. My gosh. And so my dad um, called my uncle, who happened to be a trumpeter and a at the time. A retired music teacher, okay, and uh, 
called up my uncle gene my uncle gene was like uh he was great my uncle gene was awesome you'd like him and uh great trumpet player too but he said uh steve i actually they called me stevie they're like stevie i need you to whistle into the telephone you know so i'm on this thing here and i he wanted me to whistle happy birthday to him right so i did i i whistled and i remember how how well i whistled but he was like you're not a flautist steve you're you're a horn player you need to be a trumpet player and so he lent me his coronet and I went back to that music teacher. I've been playing trumpet ever since. Oh my gosh, that's really funny. Yeah, but I, I was that close to getting booted. <laughs> oh my! And I almost didn't didn't follow it, you know. But uh, yeah, so you know, and then uh, you know, like any small rural school, you know, had uh, a lot of after school programs associated with music, and uh, uh, kind of you know, I went I went on to study and. Uh, taking it pretty seriously and you mean like private lessons mm-hmm. you mean? Yeah. yeah study privately and do the, the local bands and things like that and then I remember getting an opportunity to to mingle with the high school band when I was in junior high and that was a big deal for me because I was playing at a certain level that allowed me to you know the invite you know what I mean sure uh, because again things were after school so uh then I did that and that was kind of a a cool motivating moment for me as a kid and then uh making all states and districts and things like that you know uh was pretty neat i still talk to the people i met in those programs and and i think it was around junior year i uh i, I don't know you know like my family they they uh they're entrepreneurs they run their own business in connecticut and uh very successful with it and as a part of that sort of training and mindset i guess i fell into like i gotta make some money you know, everything yeah. was like, oh, you know, start working, <laughs> sure. I was like working all the time, you know, yeah. but I didn't want to be working in the family business, uh, really. And I had such a passion for music. I thought I'd give lessons. And it was that moment that it sounds silly. I maybe to some, but like I was, I knew what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. No, you know? sure. I really loved it as a junior in high school and, uh, had a, a full studio by senior year, uh, teaching younger kids. And I didn't know my ass from my elbow in terms of teaching pedagogy. And I didn't know, but I was getting kids through it and they were enthusiastic about playing and then uh, went on to college and uh, actually learned how to do it, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's fine. That's funny. I was very similar. I, I taught some private lessons and I was like, Ooh, I I really like this. Yeah. 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 I wasn't quite the go-getters you. I mean, I probably had like I don't know, like five private students, like a summer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. Junior year, that's what it was like. And then I think senior year and then uh, college, I kept going. And I, I had my own rental going with a studio and stuff and kids coming in and out. And Oh, really? Yeah, it was great. And, um, you know, um, the more the more I learned, I felt like the better at it I, I became. And uh, But then I started focusing on sort of myself a little bit more, I think, through college and thought, you know, I want to. I want to try my hand at actually being a full-time musician. So I went to University of North Texas um, from Hart. I, you know, because Hart was a great program, but I felt like I was getting more elementary ed, and I was more focused on secondary. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was also really interested in in um, developing my chops around jazz because uh, I was working with guys like Jack McLean and Steve Davis over at Hart, and I was like, I gotta, you know, Jimmy Green, and I was like, totally totally starstruck with these guys. So I was like, you know, I, I want to do that now. And right. so I went to UNT and, uh, I got a, a great opportunity to play in the clock bands there and, um, you know, work in the wind ensemble at UNT. Well, yeah, I mean, just, just great programs, but I missed home. Uh, we went through, 
financial crisis in the early 90s. My family was hurting, uh, mm-hmm. needed to come back and, and work. And so re-entered Hart and graduated and started working. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That So you did you know when you went to college that you wanted to be a music teacher? Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. you didn't think you weren't like, oh, maybe I'm going to... Maybe I'm going to be a performer or something like that. Only sophomore year. Uh, it was sophomore year that, like I said, I was I was totally enamored with the jazz scene that I was seeing in those guys at heart. You know, mm-hmm. Steve and Nat Reeves and Jim, you know, mm-hmm. all those guys. I was just like, oh, this is great. We were having so much fun as a yeah. big band. Um, I was playing in Capital Wins and stuff, sure. But I was like, you know, I think, I think this is what I want to try my hand at. Sure. And so, you know, I... Uh, I, I decided I wanted to go to UNT because I also wanted the guys like Eugene Corporon and those guys that were down there and, mm-hmm. and continue to work uh, in education, you know? Yeah. Um, but also more focused now on playing. Yeah. But I started gigging a lot and 8 a.m. classes were harder to meet when I was gigging uh, late into the evening. Yeah. And, um, and it wasn't for me. I, I, I could... Not only were my grades dropping, which were important to me, but I was also just not myself. I could tell sure. it wasn't wasn't who I wanted to be. So yeah. yeah. No, it's funny. I I mean I toyed with the the possibility of doing that when I I had I applied for a job where I was student teaching. The junior high band job opened up. And so I applied for that right at and that was right around the same time that I was applying for grad school. Cause I was like, okay maybe it'll be worth me just checking out, you know, can I get into like a top notch grad school and get like, you know, some primo teacher mm, or something, yeah. you know? And, yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. That, so I was like, cause I think if I, if, if I made like, you know, a, a good grad program in New York city or Boston or, you know, could, I should, could have, you know, branched out maybe and went, you know, Chicago, LA or something like that. But I, I you know, whatever. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. And I, and I, I should have hindsight being what it was. I should have taken some lessons preliminary with those guys before I auditioned there. Mm, I think, yeah. I think at Boston, it would have made a difference because I got waitlisted at NEC. Oh, wow. And yeah, cool. I was really proud of that. I mean, it was like sure. 35, 35 guys went for one spot for the master's, uh, you know, for the master's spot and trumpet. And I auditioned for uh, Tim Morrison and Charlie Schluter. Oh, like, wow. I walking into that room. Oh, oh my. Man. I'm crazy. And it's, and I'm telling you, it, I didn't miss one note. It's the best audition oh, I, I have ever. Player. Yeah, but my other audit, like, I auditioned at Manhattan and it was like, meh. I was, <laughs> I was meh. But it will, I will say the thing that was crazy about those is like, I'd hear a little bit of the audition before me and a little bit of the audition after me. I'd be like, those guys sound just like me. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how they chose. Which is, yeah. again, which is why, yeah. realistically, I probably should have gone in and and like auditioned, you know, like taken a few lessons so they actually knew a little more about me or whatever ahead of time. Because I was just going in, they didn't know me. Something I'll always remember. That audition was like, oh my gosh. And like, I, like I played something 
and I was like in the middle of it and Tim Morrison goes yeah and I was like <laughs> oh that's, this is awesome like, I can remember that forever but so uh, see like no no regrets though like you, oh, you, no. follow, you followed yeah up no I mean it, it definitely would have been it would have been a very because I still because I, I also got accepted to be the master's TA at UMass mm, see yeah and you know, which was basically like free tuition and I got paid to like teach trumpet lessons to like, you know, some of the undergrads. And I'm like, this is pretty cool actually. And, but I also had a job. Like I had it by the time I found out that I had gotten the, like offered that spot, I had been also offered a job. So I'm like, okay, I knew the high school band director was going to retire in a couple years. So I'm like, hmm, like I have a high school job waiting for me in a couple years. I'm going to get these junior high high kids really rocking. Yeah. And like, then I'm going to be able to hop right into this junior high program. And it was like a big school, you know, it was like a hundred, hundred people in the band. So I was like, oh, it's a, a good band. They have a good jazz. Like I had student taught their jazz band. We made it to state finals. Um, so, which is really fun, but I, I so I took the job and I was like you know UMass has a summer music education program I'll mm-hmm. still get my master's it'll be fine you know but then you know things things changed you know what always cracks me up on I I think uh, once in a while when I when I hear you talk about your experiences coming up um, just that you and I shared space uh, without knowing each other. You know, I used to pop up to UMass on a regular basis to go to the master classes, which at the time that I would have been doing that as an undergrad, you would have been there. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So you and I were in those rooms, you know, uh, and I, I always think about that. It's like just a small world and just a couple of degrees of separation. You know, mm. we didn't actually meet, but, you know, here we are today and, you know, we were in those rooms. I just think that's amazing because, you know, I was from I'm from Connecticut, as you know, and, you know, you're uh, you're a, a mass guy through and through from the Cape, but then lived in Western Mass. I taught uh, right on the line right next to you for a while, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so we had geographically shared yeah, some space. It was kind of cool. Funny. You know, I think about that once in a while. So then. So then what uh, what brought you to the Cape? Oh, that's just. Uh, so you taught actually before we do that, what you so. Your first teaching gig, you were teaching what grades? High school. High school? Yeah, I was an assistant director for a uh, public and private school um, in Norwich. It's called Norwich Free Academy. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was an assistant director there with a great mentor. um, And uh, uh, I ran the jazz band pretty much. um, You know, he oversaw everything. So, you know, he kind of allowed me to teach the jazz band, you know, which was a big part of my passion at the time. And, uh, and I grew more and more into the wind ensemble literature and the concert band literature because of him. Um, and some of, some of our colleagues at the time, um, it was just a great experience for me to, to have been there and work with a really highly competitive marching band program, uh, where we used to, you know, travel all over the country uh, competing in, uh, four open and, you know, and that, that blew my mind. Cause I didn't have that experience. And that was one of the reasons I went there was because I, I knew I hadn't had that. So I had to fill that void. Um, and, and they did, and it was a great, uh, band parent program taught me a lot about, you know, uh, the fundraising side of things and, and how to sort of, um, uh, build, you know, um, a, a parent 
program. So anyways, I learned a lot from North Free Academy. It was great. And uh, and then um, I guess it was the following summer. Uh, <laughs> coincidentally, my father and mother had bought a place on the Cape and needed help renovating it. So I took that summer. We're talking, I guess it was uh, 96. And I came out here with a buddy of mine who happened to be the percussion instructor at North Free Academy. And we started renovating uh, the house and the garage and the cottages that are over on Palmer Avenue, right over here. Mm. And uh, and then spent the summer out here like a couple of knuckleheads, you know, screwing around and being idiots and whatever. And then uh, I fell in love with Cape Cod. So uh, that summer, though, because I was out here, that mentor that I had mentioned earlier at North Free Academy was kind of frustrated with me because he thought I ought to be job seeking and getting a job for the start of the school year. Uh, and then I shouldn't be out here, you know. And um, and a, an opportunity popped up at uh, in Ellington Public Schools, which is, as I said, right on the line down there. Uh, and uh, and another one popped up in Stonington, uh, Connecticut. And the um, the the teacher at Stonington who was uh, asking me to apply is an was an amazing choral director uh, and ran a really strong program. Uh, ended up becoming really involved in um, uh, Rhode Island's Music Education Association, but also Connecticut's Music Education Association. And coincidentally, the gentleman at Ellington was also uh, really involved with uh, CCMEA and um, ACDA and things like that. And so I felt like I had these two really prominent people interested in me to come. And so there was sort of like this, well, where should I go? And out of like just sheer intuition to get a little bit out of my old neighborhood and go to Ellington, which was not really near where I was from, uh, I said, I'll take the Ellington job. And I taught uh, junior high band uh, and I taught high school band in two separate buildings. And um, what a great experience. I did that for like 10 or 12 years. That was awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then uh, uh, in that time, um, got married. We had Kyle and uh we were on a little summer vacay out here and uh saw it in the paper um uh, and i you must have gone down to morse pond yep yeah and i uh i remember being right next to the casino down there at the beach yep. uh you know fighting off seagulls and uh sure enough in the paper there it was and so i said what do you think should i apply for this like just take a swing and uh she and i agreed that i should and the rest is history here i am wow okay so, so then you you know you were band director here for a while, and then yeah, about so, yeah, let's see, oh six to yep. twenty fifteen. So, so how hard was the decision for you to go for department head, knowing that you were going to not really teach? I mean, teach a hard. little bit, but it was not my intent. Actually, um, my intent. When I left Ellington to come to Falmouth, I came here because you all had a, a, a leadership uh, role here, uh, and it happened to be Lynn Whitehead. And uh, Lynn had contacted uh, myself in Connecticut, but also had spoken to a couple of my mentors growing through the programs and whatnot. Um, and there was no doubt that Lynn had direction for the program. And I was so envious of that 
from where I was coming from. It was a sure. nice program in Ellington. Everybody was working hard. They still do. They're very successful. And we were too, but it lacked some uh, a voice at the table. It lacked sure. the voice at the table, frankly, you yeah. know? And I wanted that in my world. I wanted to be able to say something at a department meeting that I felt was going to get carried on to the next level, you know? And I was already experiencing time after time that wasn't happening. And so I came to Falmouth probably in part because of Lynn, because you guys mm -hmm. had Lynn. So when Lynn retired, I, I wrote letters to the superintendent saying, you know, how valuable it was to have Lynn and that I hope that they will find a new de music department head. You know? yeah, like yeah. I, I want that leadership, you know? Yeah. And then I remember um, the superintendent at the time um, happened to be Nancy and, uh, you know, and she uh, asked me to come in and we talked a little bit about why I thought leadership in the music department was so important, like what I thought that person should do. And uh, we had already been without Lynn for what, maybe four years or so, you know, maybe mm -hmm. five years. Um, and then, uh, and I had already felt like I was seeing the decay of some of, of you know, like the concerns I had. Yep. I felt like I was starting to see that come to fruition already. So I was like, oh, you know, we really need somebody. And, uh, and I was asked to apply. And it kind of threw nice. me off because I was like, I, I remember thinking like, I, me, yeah. <laughs> I didn't study to be an administrator, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm talking about how important it is, but I'm not, I'm, I don't feel like I know what to do, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I had a lot of apprehension about it, but, uh, mostly because I wouldn't be behind the podium anymore and working with kids. And yeah, I was really passionate about it. I really enjoyed doing it, you know, and I knew that the time commitment was going to be a little different. Then, uh, in conversations, I learned that it was going to include art, you know, and I, yeah, right. I, my yeah. mind was blown because I, I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who am I, you know, and I, I worried a little bit, honestly, I worried a little bit about any animosity that might be there between the colleagues I've come to respect and know and myself over this position popping up again you know you were coordinator you did a great job you were coordinator for a little while and then you know that was the, everything about that position was stacked against you in a way oh absolutely you know i can't even tell you like like literally a teacher that i had hired was in district for a year she was a great teacher mm -hmm. and the principal got rid of her and i found out like the day after from the actual teacher yeah see and i, I had no idea like I, you know, I get it, you know, it was like the contract and that because I wasn't, because I wasn't a department head, I didn't mm -hmm. know. Or like the change of schedule at the junior high and switched it from, you know, every other day to every three days. They, they I, did I, it and you I found out about it afterwards. I found out, I found out like three days before school started hmm. from the teachers that were like surprised. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, yeah. I knew, I knew nothing. Yeah. I was so out of the loop. It was such a, like, other than that, like, it was a w pretty much a waste of a position, you know. And uh, well, it was trying to fill a void, but again, it was it was designed in a way that I don't, I don't, I, I never saw how that could be successful for you working yeah. full time and trying to coordinate a music department with you know uh, eleven people in it. Just yeah. it did K twelve didn't yeah. make sense, yeah. you know, and not to be able to like have one person that you're 
communicating with or answering to as a supervisor. Instead, you have all these principles. <laughs> right. It doesn't work. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Right. And, and so um, I actually felt when I took when I took my swing at that job, um, applying for it, that uh, I had a little concern about some of the animosity that might be between even you and I, you mm-hmm. know, because here you were doing the job. Mm-hmm. but without the ability to know those things ahead of time. And now I'm walking in, you know, and, yep. I, and you're the guy that I was calling all the time, asking for advice on the band program. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like sure. I, I didn't know if that was going to be a thing uh, between us. And I, and it, I, I, I guess at the end of the day, it was great to see support, but at the same time, it had its baggage in the way that, uh, folks in our department felt that I was going to continue to run the department the way I ran my band program. And they're not the same things. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, there's a learning curve there, but anyway, sure. applied for the job, um, uh, was offered that and art and, uh, had to take some, uh, courses on art over the next couple of years, summers, fill it in as much as I could. Hmm. Uh, the job is a completely different job than what I did behind the podium. Uh, yeah. And, um, and I like it. Honestly, do the, do the, I really do. Do the art, that must have been tough. I I can only imagine that. And maybe a lot of it would have just be like in my head because I feel so uncomfortable with the art side of things. Did did you ever feel like the the art teachers are like, oh, this this guy is my leader and he doesn't know you know, the difference between clay. Did, did you say that in past shock. tense? Did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did I think do, uh, I think that still comes up once in a while. And I think that's unfortunate in a way in that, you know, you and I have had leaders of our buildings who are really supportive of what we do and don't always know every nuance of our content, Sure, you know, and still did a great job as a leader. And so I just had to keep telling myself like, I, I care about the kids. I care about the people that work for me. And I'm going to do my best to learn what it is that they're doing in the classroom first and just shut up and listen for as long as I can. And I did. And uh, and then when, you know, uh, fires arise every once in a while, like, for example, you know, people start talking about um, reduced class sizes and how that's going to impact the arts and maybe schedules and people you know, it's people first and, um, and it's my job to protect everybody. And, uh, I learned that the content, the content knowledge is important, but it's not, it's, it's almost secondary to leading, leading the people. Like you're trying to, the curriculum sure. and, and taking care of people, you know what I mean? Including the kids. Like, or like you say, just making sure that the art teachers have a voice like when things that's what i mean a schedule scheduling happens you're going to make sure that art is included in that discussion rather than right yeah that's that's right i mean it's like right that's true you don't have to you don't have to be like oh this is the proper way to to draw this or paint this or whatever or you you know but you also know what good teaching looks like too that's just it. Yeah. You know, sure. year after year after year after year, we constantly talk about that's just good teaching. You know, when we when mm-hmm. we get training seminars and things like that. So I just apply those skills to the contents that I work within. I think it helps that I like art and happen to be a fan of art. I've certainly learned a lot from our colleagues in the department. Um, 
I didn't know what then what I know now in terms of technique and you know uh, the various styles of art. You know, like I've learned a lot, but I don't I, I don't think it's fair to say that that influenced having a voice at the table and how I talk to other leaders in the district or the community in promoting our programs. You know what I mean? Sure. So, so anyways, yeah. So that's uh, that's just the long story, I suppose, of how I got to be here. No, I'm I'm. I'm just very curious about it. I just think, I just feel like that is uh, always a really challenging decision that someone would make. I I would think. Mm, yeah, it was. I think my wife, to some extent, struggled with that before she came became a department head and before mm-hmm. she became a principal. And then I I think, I think anyone naturally would. You know, if you start off being a teacher and then you go someplace else with it, I feel like that's that's definitely challenging. You know, because I let's let's be honest, I would tend to think that most, uh, definitely not all, uh, but most people when they go to college to be a major in music ed, I would bet you ninety, at least ninety percent of of music teachers know that they want to be either a high school choral director or a high school band director or a high school orchestra teacher. Like, I bet you, I I bet you so many of those, I bet you so many people because they had a really good experience and that's where they all their friends and that's what they remember Mm. when they were in high school. They were in the high school band and it was so great and they, you know, and they envisioned themselves being that. But then I find it so interesting that then Somewhere along the line, some people, they're like, oh, I actually think I want to be a K through four or whatever. I want to be an elementary general music teacher or I want to be yeah. a middle school band director or yeah. I want to be, you know, so even for me, for me to take the leap back in 2006 and be like, you know what? I don't think I want to do this high school band stuff anymore. Mm. was really difficult because I'm like... I bet it was. You know, I'm doing this great literature with my jazz band. You know, my jazz band had played at Allstate. Yeah. And I oh, was yeah, like, oh my gosh, like, we're, we're really cooking. And, you know, the concert band is doing concert band festivals, all these things. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this. It was, you know, it was a lot to do with family. It was a lot to do with, I don't know, school trips, like... Stuff that I just, I was constantly uncomfortable about scheduling a school trip every two years. All, all the band parent meetings, all of it just added up. And plus having like, you know, a a four-year-old and a five-year-old yeah. at home. Yeah, I, I found say, right? very, very difficult, very difficult. And, our, and um, but I'm so happy I did. Cause I feel sure. like I've, I've, I think I'm in the position that I've always should have been in. I, but I didn't know it. Well, that's, that's just it. You don't know what you don't know when, when you're a little younger and you're, you're, you're following your dream, but you know, life has a tendency to start throwing some other complexities and nuances at you that, you know, you may not have, um, figured into the equation, you know? So, you know, you asked me when I took this job, you know, uh, the, the answers I gave you were based on the job itself, but there were other outside influences. I was going through a divorce at the time. Um, you know, that was financially stressful. And so there was a small part of me that thought, wow, you know, this is the, this is the universe throwing, throwing me a bone, you know, to help 
sort of offset the financial burden I was just about to take on, you know? Um, and so, uh, it, it felt, it felt right for so many reasons because I, um, because of the time I was in both job influences and outside influences, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, you asked earlier, do I have any, like, is it tough or do I have any regrets? You know, of course, I think about it all the time. Like, I love any opportunity I get to conduct still, you know, or any opportunity I get to sub for you guys. <laughs> if I come in and do a sub gig, it's great. Like, I have a blast doing it. You know, I, I truly do. I think one of the reasons I pushed hard to have uh, the bridge of our, our string program grow at the Lawrence School and take it on myself was, A, to put my money where my mouth was and ensure that I was building that program, you know, with my, arm, my sleeves rolled up, but also... Uh, it put me back in the classroom and I, I, I sure. like being there, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I think, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that, you know, we never think when we graduate college as an undergrad that we're going to follow our dreams and then, you know, oh yeah, we'll get married or, or life. I'm going to do these other outside things, but those outside things might really influence the direction you go in moving forward, which you're not taking into consideration, mm. you know, same for you. You were, you were crushing it. I didn't take on a, a program at, at the high school that was in shambles. It was strong. You know, you left it in a strong place. It was good. And, yeah. and, and, but you had to make decisions around sounds like, you know, the family and, you know, other influences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that know? was, there was a lot of it. It was, you know, it, and it, you know, it, some of it was the job. It was, you know, there was just, um, it was just a lot of things. It was some family. It was just yeah. every little thing. And then I was like, hmm, I think maybe I do want to go down there. And I, again, I'm so happy I did, you know. Yeah, so that makes two of um, us. I, I feel the same way. I'm I'm so glad that I did it. And it was, it's been a challenging educational experience for me to be a uh, fine arts department head because I didn't train to do it. You know, sure. I, I was all of a sudden the fine arts department head. <laughs> right. You yeah. Know? And I was like, oh boy, here we go. It's like being yeah. at the top of that roller coaster and you're like looking straight down, like <laughs> it's happening, yeah. you know? And, uh, and it's been great. There's been a lot of, a lot of challenge, but there's also been a lot of good days and bringing that voice to the table is, um, one of the most important things I feel I can do. So, so another thing is, so now you just brought up that, you know, as being, you know, your home base sort of being at the junior high levels, grade seven and eight, mm. and you do teach one class a day. Mm -hmm. Is it every day or every, every other day? day? Every, every other day. day. Yeah. Every other day, um, strings class, mm. which is interesting. You know, our, our string program in Falmouth, you know, I think it, there used to be an actual string teacher in Falmouth mm -hmm. that, you know, but that was, um, we're talking, uh, in the late eighties, a little prop two and a half, yep. uh, cuttage yep. uh, from what I understand. That's the story I got anyways. So we've always had, you know, we've had, we're fortunate and found with, we've had some really good private teachers that get a lot of kids starting on, on strings and stuff so that we mm -hmm. have a string class at the high school that kids join. And, you know, I remember, this was crazy. There was one year when I was teaching at the high school, and I think I had 10 string players total, 
you know, in the in the, the string orchestra or whatever. We, I don't even, it's tough even calling it a string orchestra with 10 people. Yeah. But whatever. I, but when I would go to Allstate, this one year, I had the principal bass player in the Allstate. Mm-hmm. I had like, probably like fifth chair cello in the state a principal viola and i had third chair violin like, wow i i mean ridiculous to hear those kids play yeah i in that little class of mine was <laughs> oh my yeah. god like we sure. literally did That's great we did um we did Brandenburg Concerto number three, and they just <laughs> they carried. They basically carried the rest of the kids. It was so fun. Oh my gosh, it was. Uh... But anyways, but where I'm going with this, I'll just never forget that. I was telling somebody about that recently. It was so, just out of nowhere. People are like, "Oh, Falmouth must have an incredible string program." I'm like, "Not really, not really, <laughs> yeah. not really." Yeah. And it wasn't because of the the quality of the kids that were in it. It just wasn't a large program, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. what? Well, yeah, it, yeah. It just wasn't because all the kids, all the kids that were in it, all had taken private lessons for sure. years, which is why they they had signed up. Because yep. we didn't have, we don't have, you know, necessarily lessons, you know, at a young age. Um, right. We yep. do have, but now, you know, Andrew is doing it at, at fifth and sixth grade yep. and doing a good job. And you've been doing it at Lawrence, seventh and eighth grade for yep. a few years now. So how, how challenging was that? How did you know you wanted, like you had the idea of like, oh, the class I, I should teach is strings or how did that come about? So one of the, one of I guess one of the the questions you ask yourself when you're leading a program is you know do I have a vision for this program you know and so on the music side of things I started asking myself if I had my own personal vision of what Falmouth's music program should look like and then what is it going to take to start building that you know and so um, I felt like we had already a pretty strong instrumental program in regards to band uh jazz bands were pretty strong if you looked at the numbers i don't like to be a numbers guy but if you're looking at the numbers the numbers were there you know um we had a strong vocal program have a strong vocal program and again the numbers are there so the one thing that we didn't have was strings uh i really felt that that was a component of a well-rounded music program that if we were going to meet that criteria of being a well-rounded music program, where's strings? We didn't have them. And, uh, you know, there was a, I had like you years of teaching the chamber ensemble at the high school, which is always really small group of strings. And it was always like a hodgepodge of, of instrumentalists, you know? Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, they were always really, uh, quality players, but there was really nothing at the Lawrence school to feed that program. And so I decided as a part of my vision, I wanted to build something that was a feeder to that program. And so I started the chamber ensemble, much in the same way it exists at the high school, but thought, all right, let's see if I can get away with six to 12 kids and, uh, and go from there. That happened uh, about five years ago. Uh, and in five years, we've tripled in size, you know, just yeah, at the cool. junior high. And um, we, we as a department... Uh, when I started sharing some of that that information with you guys, you know, Andrew spoke up and said, well, we really should have a string program at the Morris Pond School. And I said, you're right. Uh, but I couldn't find 
a music teacher to teach it after school and I didn't really want it after school. You know, it wasn't yep. the, the, the options that were in front of me weren't the ones I wanted. Uh, but then Andrew was kind enough to take it on. He said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll give it a try. We took an entire year of planning before just throwing him in the room. Uh, I really wanted to hear his questions and find out, you know, what resources he needed to get it off the, you know, on the right foot. And so he, you know, he kicked it off and he's doing great. I've been in there several times this year and they sound great. They're, they're using all the right technique. He's learning how to, you know, to teach the class because he's not a string player by trade, you know? Uh, right. So that, let me ask you, you know? did, so did you, did you just like start picking up a violin and mm-hmm. a cello and start viola. hacking away? Viola actually. Yeah. Yeah. Really? It was viola and start hacking away. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I think music teachers, need to know that like if you don't have to know everything coming out of undergrad yeah you, you want to learn as much as you can but you're not gonna know all of it but you really need to be willing to learn you sure. know you know that's that's a must do if you're going to be sitting in front of a string class you got to know the difficulties it is to play that instrument yeah. understand what the shift means you know yeah. you got to know that you got to understand you know the 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 like i said the complexities of playing the instrument and i think if you do uh, again, you don't have to be world class at it yet, but you should at least be striving to. Yeah, know? sure. No, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I say it to my uh, like flutes and clarinets. I'm not the best flute player. I can get, get around. I can get around the instruments all right. really pretty well. But right. you know, every now and then, I might have a sixth grade flute player that's like almost as good as me, or you know, yeah, you know, or like you know, I'm teaching my my really good sixth grade clarinets to like play over the break right now. And, and like, I'm not great. I feel like some of it is my clarinet to be honest with you, but I, I, I'm like playing some junky old school horn, but <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm like trying to like tongue an A and a B on top of the staff and it's like not happening for me, but yeah, but you know, it was cool. I was in that class the yeah. other day and those kids were, yeah, yeah. So you were struggling with it more than maybe even two of those kids were. Yeah. You know, because they're they're excited to be doing it with you. But also, you know, I actually it ended up being good for that class too because it was like one girl sort of struggling with it and I, I and I wanted to be like, yeah, I'm sort of struggling with it. I could tell she was actually starting to get upset too. And um and I'm like, "Oh, I'm struggling with it. Some days are good days, some days are bad days." Mm. You know, I feel like, uh, I maybe I need a new read, you know, whatever." Um and they and they actually they they're really doing pretty well. This piece I just handed out is pretty tough for them, and we just did our first run through of it. But you know, it's going to be successful, Tom, because you're using good teaching strategies, and the kids aren't sure they're they're seeing you struggle with it a little bit. Maybe that makes you a little more approachable. Maybe that makes you a little more human. Sure, yeah, know, I know. In the yeah. eyes of kids, but you're also still providing them with good advice and good teaching strategies that'll help them to do it. Maybe they do it faster than you. Maybe they achieve you know, playing over the break faster than you. That's oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, You know, I've got, vi- I've got violinists and violas who, who are crushing it right now and they picked it up way faster than I did, you know? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as long as you're willing to learn, that's the gist of it. A couple questions. Uh, sure. I think I'm going to make as part of a regular question. Like, so what are, what are a couple of your top musical memories in your life? One, one or two, like, just doesn't, it could be a performer or as a teacher or whatever. Wow. Uh, top musical moments. I don't, 
I, I think I'm fortunate to have had several. I don't know how to narrow them down. And not, not meaning necessarily that I was performing, just being a part of. Yeah, sure. You know? Um, but I think, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. I, I think the, uh, I think the, like in, in terms of detail, like I, I can, I'm, I'm going through my memory of all these, sure, yeah, all yeah. these moments right now. And, and I, I know that there were a lot of, a lot of great time. You know what? Actually there was one, uh, I, I, uh, this is going to sound terribly self-serving and no. uh, so forgive me. I don't mean to sound arrogant at all because it wasn't about the the thing I was up for, but it was what it led to. So uh, I had been uh, nominated as one of the music educator Grammys when it first started. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the process required a whole bunch of interviews. And as they interview, they keep going down. I didn't think anything of it at first and I didn't really have to do anything. But as we got a little closer to the last, 10 they're like looking they need videos of you working with kids and they interview everybody you know and there's all this stuff and so it was really intense Mm -hmm. you know and um and so our videographer had his cameras all over the rehearsal room and i was working with the wind ensemble and uh and i for a moment was just me and because I was so nervous about doing this, I was so yeah. freaking out about the whole process of being under camera, you know, uh, in the classroom. It totally changed my dynamic. It really did, you know. But for this one moment I can think of right now, because you asked the question, we were working uh, as a wind ensemble and I just forgot that I was on camera. And the ensemble all of a sudden felt like just the way it felt every day. And I was under so much pressure with this thing that when that went away, it felt great. And at the end of the rehearsal, uh, <laughs> I, I started apologizing to the videographer. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if we should use that cut. Like, I didn't, I don't know. And he was like, no, are you kidding me? The band sounded awesome. And the kids were like, Mr. Edward, that was the best. <laughs> it sounded uh, so good. And it felt like a really great moment in rehearsal. Yeah. You know, and I think, I, I, I think like when people ask us, you know, what our best moments are. Maybe they're expecting something to have happened on stage or something to have yeah. happened in a festival or, you know, some mm-hmm. kind of award you do get. You know, I, I didn't get the Grammy. It wasn't about that. The point was is that that had created so much pressure that I was so distracted by. But then when it had gone away, I could just work with my kids in that ensemble and we made great music that only the videographer heard. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> You yeah, know, yeah. but it was a great moment that I won't forget. Um because uh, I could still I can still see all those faces on yes. those kids. That was a great moment. That's funny. Know? When you say you can still see all the faces, that mm. that's that's always my favorite part. Cause like one of my musical moments is definitely um so I'll probably get emotional talking about it to be honest. Yeah, with you. It, like it, I it just be, know like with that, me yeah. I will. But like I think about my was it my it was my seat yeah it was my senior year of college and we did David Meslanka's Fourth Symphony, which is just the most it's an unbelievable piece of music. It is mm. also the most brutal. Brutal, oh, it's brutal. And it, like you know the, the trumpets are on C trumpets and the first trumpet part which I was on also has piccolo trumpet, which you know 
besides having like these exposed like double tonguing high Fs, you know, actually up to a G even. I mean, it's just, it's just so hard. There's also part with like the piccolo trumpet, you know, has to play a double C in it. And it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's literally, it, it's so difficult. And I have the recording of it that we, you know, we had a recording of the live performance, but then we also did a recording session and recorded it and put it on CD. I'm sure you could probably... I wonder if you you can probably get it someplace. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know I'm fortunate to be on the recording. But when I listen to that recording, what makes me get so emotional about it is I think about first of all after the performance of it, half the band, I'd say half the wind ensemble was in tears because of how hard and emotional the piece was and how hard it was and how hard we had worked on it. I mean, just crazy. So I think about that one, but two, then I think of all the the good friends that were in it. Mm. You know, my wife was on, was playing in it, and I, it's like every time I hear the cymbal crash part, I'm like, oh, that was Christine, you know, or oh, I hear this, uh, yeah, I, I hear this French horn solo, and it was my friend Matt who played a French horn in my wedding, you know, yeah. or I hear this part, and it was my friend Jason who played trumpet in my wedding, or right. the, the right. trombone, all the faces, you know, all like I'm just the all the thing, and how many people, you know, like. You know, Jason Fettig played clarinet on that, and now he's you know conductor of the President's Own Marine Band. Or see, yeah, Nathan Childers played uh, alto on that, and then he's like lead alto with the Birdland Big Band. Like right. I, it's like right. I just I see all the faces, and that's that's so funny that you say that. I just I think about the relationships and all the work, and I see all the faces from those things. That's that's really... you know I, I, I yeah I think we're really touching on something here because. I, you asked about my favorite musical moments and then, you know, again, I, I don't know that any of them really had anything to do with a, a concert or a festival, you know, and we had a lot of success. I had a lot of success. I'm fortunate to have had that, um, participated in a lot of great ensembles that put on some great concerts for sure under the direction of wonderful, amazing people, but it's the faces in some of those other moments, like I was mentioning earlier about heart, you know, and working with Steve and Nat and Jimmy and, you know, it's just like Julius, all those guys, like <laughs> I see the people and I see some of the, the moments in rehearsal were probably more special to me. And I, I won't bore your audience with all of the, all the little great moments of music, but they weren't actually necessarily based on festival. I guess they were more almost always in the rehearsal. Room, sure. You know, almost always. I can't think of one that, that really, it really strikes me outside the rehearsal space. Yeah, that that's funny. It's yeah. definitely, but that that's the thing too. Is like even when I think about, if I think about the recording, you know, it's like even the recording of Cape Cod Concert Band from last April. You know, I think about when I when I hear certain parts of it, I'm like, man, we worked really hard on that part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I remember how it what it's not about how what the recording sounds like. It's like I remember how hard we worked on it and like it, the process. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny how how that how that happens. I like some of the I like some of the maybe even not so musical moments though, like, you know, where uh I can think of a student who had come up to me. Uh she had participated in Allstate and um and wanted wanted the opportunity to perform one of the pieces in our concert band 
that she had done in Allstate. And, you know, and as a director, you're like, oh, yeah, no, we'll get right on top of that. <laughs> yeah. There's no chance, you know, like you're just not going to do that with a group unless you have the skills of your group to pull it off, you know. And what it did do, though, is provided an opportunity uh, of questions that she had about the process in which I was picking literature for our band. And then mm-hmm. this kid who ended up not becoming a music educator, but became really interested in programming and picked one of the pieces that the kids ended up working on. I gave no promo to her and I gave no backstory to anybody. And at the, the you know, the end of the season when we were working on it, uh, it sounded great. And and then gave her the credit for it, you know, and she mm-hmm. was just it was just great to see that pride in her. That was a cool moment. That was mm. another one, right? That that glow that kid had for having selected something, you know, uh, for all the right reasons, and to watch that come out the way it did, that was a cool moment. But it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the end concert. It was, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks after, actually. You know, sure. you just see the pride in that kid, you know, or the kid that you know didn't know how to play the violin, and now they're playing violin. Um, you know, you could see that just the smile, like th- those mm, are the good moments, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's truly that stuff really affects me. Like, talk about getting emotional. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that's sure. the stuff that I really yep. get excited about, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely have, I have a few kids like that right now. It's like, like my sixth grade flutes right now. Like I have a class of, uh, with like a few, few flute players in there where last year I was like, uh, it's a bummer. They're not going to make it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like it's, you know, we're more than halfway through the year. They're sound. They're still (laughs) struggling to get a sound, and don't even get me start. Like they can't even play. (laughs) Like going between C and D, which is always like the hardest thing for flutes when they first start. It's like, okay, that's really difficult for them. And but now it's like, oh my gosh, we we just did this piece, and a couple of those people are playing better than some other people that were really excelling last year. Yeah. You know, because they had to work. I wonder if it's like they had to work so hard at it to finally get it and then they understand what it took to get good and they only work harder or whatever. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I there's a couple people I'm like, wow, I can't believe where they're at right now. And yeah. It's, that's exciting. Yeah. That's, or if you hear kids talking about music in the hallways or at lunchtime, uh, I remember a principal had come up to me once and uh, was just blown away that there were three young guys that were in the band program and uh, at lunch were debating about the the com- compositional differences <laughs> uh. between the music of the, they were playing in rehearsal, you know, and the principal was just like, what is this? You know, like they're not talking about sports. They're not talking about, you know, going out later. They're not talking about their, their social circles. They were talking about music they were doing in band, specifically the composers. And he just thought that, that was the greatest thing, you know? And, and that's a cool moment. Like, sure. you know, that's something I won't forget that happened. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. still see their faces. I know which three guys, those right, were, you yeah, know, yeah. like that's kind of cool. Um, so anyways, I know you had more questions, but that was a good no. one. That's a good question. And no, really, when no. you think about it. No, because really, you know, that, I, I just, those musical moments, because then uh, I I just, I, I love thinking about those. And it's like, I, now it's like, as we get older, I have so many of them. And, yeah, uh, right. And it's like, some of them are teaching and some of them are performing, you know, and. And some were so fleeting, you know, yeah. like, you know, there was this, this one moment that, you know, again, may not have happened 
in in concert that you know you and the kids had worked so hard for and sure you know i've been there and those feel good those are feel good moments but I, you know the the ones that really memorable were uh, probably you know either in the rehearsal room or mm-hmm. you know not on stage you know so, watching all the kids come together i'll give you one more and then i'll, yeah, I'll stop sure, talking no, but you know another one i think that it's a non-musical moment but um we had as you know a, a student was involved in an accident mm. and died you know and it was um it was really sad for everybody but we were probably a week and a half or two into the grieving process with all the kids and it, it had essentially shut rehearsals down i mean we were we were just a room where kids could come and sort of process what was going on and they needed that like it wasn't it wasn't that we were doing it and they didn't want that they needed it mm-hmm. and we're really appreciative of having that space you know but i can remember um i was in my office trying to give them the room to just sort of be sad and talk and laugh and hang and uh and there had to be i oh mean i at that time, I think the band was probably 85 or 90, right? Mm-hmm. And there had to be 35, 40 kids in the room not playing, just hanging and having fun and being sad and whatever. And you could tell that they just didn't want to be anywhere else in the world. That was a good moment. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I just Andrew, remember looking up, you know, they're like, Andrew, Andrew Fitech talked about, you know, the a good band program has like sort of like a hang yeah um yeah component right. to it it's like you know it used to be different you know i think back when i was in high school at least the first couple of years of high school like if you had a free period it wasn't like you had a specific room you had to be in you could go to the cafeteria you hang out but back then it was like you know oh i have, I have a free period i don't have a class right now i'm gonna go to the band room oh yeah and they're constantly in there yeah 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 so you know end of the day before the day i mean that that was like i remember man i would get there to open up the band room in the morning and there would just be a dozen kids waiting outside just to hang and bef- hang at school before homeroom started how, how many times how many times tom did you and i get in trouble for uh going to the office or going to the bathroom because you know you're leaving but you left kids in the room oh, and that's the time the yeah, administrator yes. walks in and is like right, yeah, hey yeah. you got kids unattended <laughs> in your room <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know that's funny how um, many times did that happen all the time yeah oh, <laughs> yeah that's funny you know it's like i had to go to the bathroom yeah, yeah. <laughs> kick them out yeah yeah yeah, yeah anyways yeah so, so I think a lot of people, and I, I remember when I first started teaching high school band and I felt like when I started in Falmouth, you know, they, we had the numbers, but the program was very different than what I had envisioned. And so for the first three years that I taught in Falmouth, I barely knew any of the other teachers' names, which was not mm-hmm. good because I barely mm-hmm. left my office and I was just like doing different things and trying to like okay how can i do this better how can we do this better i want to i'll you know everything just i needed to think about all this stuff and plus there was a lot of paperwork involved with you know going different places and doing different things and and i was not good at that and i was young i you know i think about that i was 23 years old when i started that job which that was weird you know yeah right and um but I do remember getting a phone call. And I remember I hadn't played my trumpet in months, months. 
and I got a call and someone goes, uh, yeah, we need a we need a first trumpet for West Side Story. Nice, and I'm good like, call. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> nope. Part of me, I'm a, part of me wanted to be like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me wanted to be like, you, uh, you haven't been playing. You're in trouble, morning. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the other part of me was like, I can't say no to that. Right. Like, I, yeah. I when am I ever going to be able to have the opportunity? And I haven't. I have not had the opportunity to do it since. You know, twenty something years later, yeah. and so. I feel like that call almost like saved my playing career because mm. I felt like I yeah. was just going to like stop playing. So like, sure. how do you, how do you, do you balance uh, your sort of like you out there playing and performing with teaching or, you know? Yeah. You know, it, I, I guess I feel the same way about that as I did teaching. Like I, here I am an administrator and I'm behind the computer a lot. I'm in a lot of meetings. I'm at the table, advocating, challenging, protecting all that all the time, you know. And uh, sometimes that can that can uh, drive even your evenings. You know, you're still you're still looking at emails. You're still answering calls. You're calling whomever, whatever, planning, processing, all that stuff. So yeah, in the first couple of years as an administrator. I especially, uh, I think furthermore started losing my, my, my chops, my ability to play the instrument. You know, I was only playing here and there as a band director, to be honest with you, you know, uh, and I wasn't even getting the opportunity to really play the other instruments, you know, um, high school band job was very busy as you know, and I just didn't have the time. And so, uh, or, or was making the time and again, outside influences, my son is, you know, at the time was very young and, you know, I was trying to spend every moment with him that I was free. You know what I mean? So no, playing took a back seat. Mm-hmm. And as an administrator, uh, I think first couple of years in, it was almost annihilated. It was gone. You know, I was like, oh no. And I, I just, I just felt like something was really missing. I started dating again. Cause I told you I, I got, I'd been divorced at the time that I, uh, took the job as an administrator. And so I started dating again. And uh, in dating again, I also felt like I need to get reacquainted with my instrument. I really need to start playing more. And so I started practicing again. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have the stamina to practice the way I once did, but I would start picking it up. And uh, the the outside uh, ensembles, I started making a little bit more of like um, the all teacher band. Mm-hmm. Um, that puffy we, Elvis, puff, puffy Elvis, so puffy a little, Elvis. little, little sound. Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> puffy Elvis, free uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> bar mitzvahs. Yeah, <laughs> shameless plug, shameless yeah, plug. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I started working a little harder to get more opportunity to play with them. A, it's a super fun time, you know, and it didn't require the the nearly the chops that I once had to have to play, you know, at school or whatever. But um. But it, it got me playing again, you know, and then I came to you uh, when I learned about the um, the uh, Cape Cod concert band. And I was like, please let me in because I want to play. You know, I just well, I'll play anything. I remember telling you, like, whatever you need me to do, Tom, I'll do it. Uh, of course, I'd love to be playing trumpet. That's my that's my instrument, my main instrument. But just to be reading and being a part of an ensemble again is really important to me. Uh 
being able to talk to our colleagues as a musician about being a musician, I was starting to miss. And I felt the same way about the classroom. It was like, I got to get back in the classroom. I have to teach. It's important to me. Being a musician is important to me. I have to make time for it. Uh, so now, you know, I play euphonium with the Cape Cod Concert Band. I'm learning a lot. Um, you know, I'm certainly not the, the greatest euphonium player, but, you know, I'm working at it. I love it. I love being a part of it. Um, I play, you know, uh, as I mentioned, strings every once in a while. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think you got to keep that alive. Super important, right? I mean, you got to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's sometimes... I mean, let's, you know, I'll be honest with you, though, too. Like, I, I definitely know some people. There's a guy I think about. I, I think about him often. You know, he's he he was not the, the most incredible. You know, when I when I look back on him in college, he wasn't the most incredible um, instrumentalist. But, you know, then he went on and uh taught high school band at a really amazing program mm-hmm. you know i guarantee he didn't touch his instrument after college i i would be shocked if okay. he played an instrument after college and he was a great teacher and now he's like the uh he's like the executive director of uh boston crusaders drum corps okay like, he's great he's great a great teacher a great yeah. Yeah. leader organized the whole thing he's awesome you know um chris holland and he uh, just awesome guy always an awesome guy and um you know i haven't seen him in years but i i i think about i think about him because he was great he was just a phenomenal phenomenal teacher and um i it's funny i do think there are some people i would even say you know janine kelly i thought was a really really great teacher so much energy and then um but it's funny, you know. She was a she was a good flute player, but she, uh, you know, uh, she was not very confident when she played it. I mean, her high school did grad. I think she had a graduating class of five. Oh wow! I mean, five. Wow. Like her her high school yearbook. If you ever saw it, it was hilarious. Like it's the smallest high school. Couple of pages. <laughs> oh no no no! It that's the thing. Yeah. Five. It, it was a full high school yearbook, as big as yours and mine. Wow. They had five graduating seniors and that thing, I mean, it was like, you know, the basketball team and it was like, you know, Janine and like five other girls, you know, they had like oh one sub and it would be like the cheerleading squad. It was, wait, that's the same as the basketball <laughs> team. I mean, it awesome. was crazy, crazy. So I, my, my point with that is just like, she was still a really good teacher, even though, you know, she wasn't maybe the most confident instrumentalist. Um, so it is possible, but I would say, you know, it, I feel like knowing you're a, you're still a musician too, I think is also really important just to, uh, continue musicing like that. Yeah. I think, and again, I think it's, it's, you know, if you're, if you're talking about the relationships we have with people in the way of being able to lead them as well, I think it's also important to be able to talk as a musician here. You and I can talk about being a musician you know, because we're, we are actively doing it, you know what I yeah, mean? Sure. And that's really important. You know, I know that I see that in our, in the art teachers that we have on staff, you know, they, they talk about art, uh, and making art and yeah. for themselves, not, not what they do in the classroom, but what they do for themselves. And I also value 
their time to be able to do that. You know, uh, I laugh. So, you know, you might remember as a coordinator, uh, department heads have to consider summer PD. And if we have an opportunity to plan summer professional development seminars, then, you know, uh, it, it's it's important to be thinking that way and try to do that once in a while, you know, and every once and again, every once in a while, things will come up that our staff will ask me to, to prepare for. And that's fine. But most of the time they don't want, they don't want it. And that's because they are pursuing their craft. The art teachers are pursuing their craft. Music teachers are pursuing their craft and the summer is their space to be able to do that. And so I try to be really respectful of that. And unless I'm being asked create something i don't usually just throw throw one out and be like all right you know summer pd guys you know see you in july no no they, they need that time to get back in touch we all do i shouldn't say that we all need that time to get back in touch with our uh, inner musician or inner artist are you right you yeah know? so sure it's really important yeah i would think so yeah it is i think it is you know you're you're conducting and playing and i know you and i have had a lot of conversations about that and it just fills a hole you know, mm-hmm. fills that yeah. little hole. And so it's good. It's good stuff. It is good. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you right, uh, doing this, this today. I'm really excited about it. Good luck with your podcast. This is awesome. Yeah. I, you doing know, it. we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I don't know. Um, this is just episode two, but uh, I have some other people lined up. I'm trying to just have uh, people from all different walks of music teaching life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope your so. listeners feel like, you know, if they're, uh, you know, if they're, if they're thinking at all about this podcast, they just, just keep in mind, you know, you just, you go where life takes you and do the best you can and try to try to do right by everybody. That's the gist mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, if they landed in an administrative role, um, I'm not here to tell them how to do it right. I'm telling them that it's just important to consider the people you're working with and just, just do the best job you can, you know, keep chipping yeah. away at it. Be a voice at the table. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. really important. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks for listening to the Everything Music Ed podcast. Be sure to check out future episodes as we talk to other educators from different teaching environments and cover topics such as concert band, jazz band, marching band, chorus, orchestra general music, music tech, special needs, and much more. The theme music is Jig, composed and arranged by Wally Minko. Jig is performed by Wayne Bergeron and can be found on his album, Full Circle. The Everything Music Ed podcast logo was created by Sarah Goulart. <laughs>